0: And welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world with an unbelievable idea. The World Cup is great. They should do it for baseball. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, what do you think about my idea? I love it. That sounds like how has no one done this
1: before? This is impossible.
0: What would you call it? The World Baseball Cup. WBC I'm I'm in.
1: I'm totally in.
0: (laughs) Could you imagine how the ball would carry in Qatar? I mean, you get that thing in the air. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I know it seems like the, (laughs) it seems like the whole Qatar thing. I don't, we don't need to put baseball into that situation. I'm sure we're going to have enough logistical problems uh, next March. Uh, on this episode of Baseball Barbecue Cast, we are going to be talking about the World Baseball Classic later on, as part of our Venezuelan uh, baseball segment with our good friend Daniel Alvarez. What a delightful chat! Uh, we just uh,
0: finished that up earlier.
1: You will enjoy it. That'll be the second half of the show. Um, we we'll also be talking about, talk about. Oh
0: yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the home run derby in the Winter League there that Ronald Acuna Jr. won. We're going to be talking about the Astruba Cabrera sucker punch that got him suspended for thirty-five games. And take a little preview of the WBC. But Jordan, before we do that, we have some free agency news.
1: Might might we rewind to the end of Monday's show when I said, Jake, I think we're going to have a significant transaction to talk about on Thursday. Did I have the scoop? No, of course not. But uh, this is, of course, the week after Thanksgiving is when stuff usually gets going and the first Big free agency, uh, uh, really, really. I mean, this has been the most interesting one. I know we had Edmund Diaz after the World Series, but Jose Abreu has signed with the Houston Astros for three years, $58.5 million. I think we had maybe talked about this fit a little bit. I mentioned Jose Abreu is one of the free agents I was most interested in, and the Astros were already rumored as as going after him. Sounds like he had a very robust market. We've gotten all kinds of... We tried from Cleveland and Miami and Boston. And, oh, yeah, we really wanted the Padres and, of course, the White Sox. We'll talk about here in a second. But Jose Abreu is on the Astros, and there's a lot to get into with this. Uh, Do we want to – I I feel like we should get the White Sox chat out of the way first because we have more Astros things to talk about.
0: I want to get the Abreu chat out of the way. Who is this player? Why does he matter? Why is he important? And I have held this take – you have heard it, Jordan – that I genuinely believe this is not – A hot take, in my mind, that Jose Abreu should be in the Hall of Fame. And the reason for that is what he accomplished in Cuba, in the Cuban League, before he came to the U.S. He debuted at age 16 and hit 271 as a 16-year-old. It's like the baseball version of an 8-year-old violinist who goes to Juilliard. Okay, I know it wasn't MLB, but he hit 271 as like a prepubescent child. Okay. I guess probably that's not how it works, <laughs> yeah, but you get the point. We don't
1: have to exaggerate. We
0: don't have to exaggerate. It's okay. He's 16 yeah. hitting 271 in like a top five league in the world. Jake plays there for he, a decade. What are you doing as a 23
1: year old, as an adult man at, at age 23? You want to read that slash line for me down in, uh, in Cuba?
0: It is one of the greatest seasons of our lifetimes that no one knows about. He hit five, sorry, four fifty-three batting average. 597 OBP, 986 slug. That is an outrageous 1583 OPS.
1: It, now, in in 66 games. Now you think, oh, 66 games. Well, we did just see him win an MVP in, in 60 <laughs> games. So it's, right. it's fitting. He is the greatest 60 game player uh, of all time. So he's amazing. He's one of the greatest hitters Cuba's ever seen.
0: And finally, well, on the important oh, yeah. thing here, Jordan, is on the big yeah. stage in the 2013 World Baseball Classic for Cuba, yes. he's like the hot name. This yeah. is after Yoannis had already signed, and like he was kind of one of the last big guys to come out of Cuba. Mm -hmm. And he shows up at the 2013 WBC, and he's unreal. Like he just, it's like, oh, how good is this guy really? (laughs) Incredible is the answer. He is unbelievably good. Uh, Defects after the WBC over that summer in 2013, signs with the White Sox ahead of the 2014 season, and wins the rookie of the year right away, which we should not forget how amazing that is. He did not see live pitching for a year. Okay. So he leaves cute. Q- His last time you saw live pitching was WBC 2013. Doesn't see it again until spring training 2014. Does it play for a year? And he wins the rookie of the year. Wins rookie of the year, fourth
1: in MVP. It's still arguably the best year he's had uh, in the big leagues. If, if you're counting out the, the short in 2020 season, which was of course amazing, right? He has never been bad. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball He's been one of the best hitters in baseball in the world since he was 16, but he's done it in the big league since 2014. And now, yes, he is, uh, of course, turning 20, uh, 36 in January, but he's still one of the best hitters in the league. And that's why the Astros gave him $20 million for three years uh, through his his age 38 season. And uh, it's a perfect fit. He is replacing the guy who was the other one of the greatest hitters in Cuban baseball history, Yulieski Gurriel. I would encourage you to check out his Cuban baseball numbers. Um, But it is a a weird uh, and kind of fitting, uh, you know, changing of the guard here for Houston first base. And it's a perfect fit. Unfortunately for the rest of the league, it is a perfect fit.
0: Let's talk about what this means for the White Sox. And then we will talk about how the entire Abreu situation gives us a little glimpse into the bizarre inner workings of the Astros. But let's begin in Chicago. This is embarrassing. You tweeted... The oof. This is a big oof moment. Okay, can you expand on that for me a little bit? Why is this such an oof? It, like, listen, your, your
1: franchise players going to other teams, like this is different than a Freddie Freeman situation because the Braves at no point clearly kept saying, like, they were never like, we will we'll keep them forever. Multiple times on record. Even though, right, Freddie was always like, I want to be a Brave flavor, I want to be a Brave for fine. At no point were the Braves publicly like "like we want Freddie to be brave for life. In the White Sox case, there are multiple cases of Jose Braves saying, I want to be a White Sox player forever. And J.R. Reinslow R. on record, both in conversations, has been recounted to a Braves, like I saw multiple examples where he's like, you will retire here. That will happen. Oh, just kidding, never mind. (laughs) Uh, That's actually not happening. And so, because of that, uh, and because of what we talked about with this White Sox offseason, where Jose Abreu was basically the only thing they could rely on last year, and should have been the only thing they could rely on moving forward, considering how not durable the rest of the offensive uh, roster is, and how uh, up and down the pitching staff has been. This, yes, is investing this much money in a player entering his late 30s. Like, sure, I can understand, but for the White Sox in particular, it's just... It's oof. It's oof, because I don't know where they turn from here. And we can talk about Andrew Vaughn here in a second. But it's it's just a tough look. It's it's just that simple. I don't think It's not that complicated. I think most people agree.
0: There's a small segment of White Sox fandom online that's like, yeah, it's tough to lose a brave, but Andrew Vaughn will fill his shoes. There are two problems with that. Number one, he might fill his shoes. Andrew Vaughn played a full season last year, essentially, and had a an 111 OPS plus. He was a negative 0.2 win player. Now, granted, a lot of that negative value was because he was such a bad defensive outfielder. And he was playing there because Jose Abreu existed. And because Eloy Jimenez is somehow an even worse defensive outfielder. But Andrew Vaughn. That's close. That's close, close. actually. I'm not sure. I
1: think I'd still take Eloy in the outfield, which is why Vaughn will be playing
0: first. He was the third pick in the draft, generational talented hitter. And he could be as good as Jose Abreu. But you know who's as good as Jose Abreu? Jose Abreu. That's point number one. Point number two, it's not as if Vaughn is replacing Abreu. Vaughn was already on the team. He already he just played 555 plate appearances. Right. Vaughn is not stepping in for Abreu. The person stepping in for Abreu is the person who's stepping in for Vaughn. Okay. <laughs> Which <Whether> right now <laughs> is Oscar Colas, <laughs> who- Who has never appeared in the big leagues, I think. And so, or, you know, some, you know, Corey Dickerson or like some random free agent that they signed. That's who's stepping in. It's not Andrew Vaughn, right? And especially when you consider that another outfielder, A.J. Pollock, is gone and Adam Angle is gone. Mm -hmm. Not that he was all that good. But there's a hole there on this team that they are not going to fill, right? And they... Maybe they Right. Like,
1: prove prove us wrong. I, I do not believe they will... Fill it with a significant player. There right. is still a hole here as, you're, as, you're, you're, as the point you're making. Even if Andrew Vaughn gets 10% better, he's not right. replacing him
0: because you have opened <laughs> another hole. They were paying Abreu about $20 million last year. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so that money goes somewhere. Whether that money goes to Trey Mancini or Yuli Gurriel. Whether that money goes to Mike Clevenger or Chris Bassett or whatever, or whether that money goes to Jerry Reinsdorf's vacation home. That money goes somewhere, okay? Or to the the Bulls. To To the the Bulls. Bulls. They could just go to the Bulls. Are the Bulls good? I don't know. We should have Jamal Collier on. Tell me about the Bulls. The bottom line here is this is what we expected. We said this when we were previewing this team's offseason. We did not trust them to spend money, and they have not. The best way to spend the money – was to keep Jose Abreu around. They haven't done that. And my level of trust and and belief in the Chicago White Sox takes another freaking dip. Jordan, (laughs) let's move it forward. Let's move it forward and talk about the Astros, okay? Okay, yes, yes. So the Astros sign Jim Crane, or sign, not Jim Crane. (laughs) The Astros sign Jose Abreu. It's a great fit. I actually don't think it's very complicated from a baseball perspective. Like, it makes sense. Good team, yeah. just won the World <laughs> Series. Not, Their I, first baseman was old. They got a guy to replace him who's even better. Yeah, right, great. Right. Sure, you could say, I mean, yeah, the third year, of
1: whatever. It doesn't matter. Astros are, are in the business of winning, going to the World Series every year. And this will help them do that. End of, end of conversation. Um, so, But what is way more interesting about this is how this came about and how they have pulled this off. And a big part of this, a, a great way – this is a good maybe a good place to start. A good way to definitively outbid all the other teams is if the guy that is doing the bidding is also the guy making the decisions about the baseball player. <laughs> and I can tell you that it's very likely that for the other teams that were bidding on Jose Abreu, like Cleveland and Boston and maybe the Rays or whatever, the Marlins, were they have front office people who were like uh, I I cannot I cannot sign off on giving 38 year old Jose Abreu 20 million dollars. Like I my GM brain is not interested in that. I'm going to draw
0: the line somewhere. Or they wanted to and they called the owner and was like, hey, we need this much money for this player, and the owner was like, nah, sorry, can't do it. Whereas Jim Crane is one and the same. He is the father, the son, and the holy motherfucking ghost. And for that reason, he was able to pull the trigger. And the Abreu signing shows us that Crane is truly running the show because seated up there at the podium or at the little conference table thing was Jim Crane, Jose Abreu, and Jose Abreu's agent, I believe. And translator. that was it. I don't even think his agent, I don't know who his agent was. But a, translator, it was a translator, sorry. Yeah. That was it. Okay, when that tells us that Jim Crane is running the show, James Click, who was the general manager, got the old polite heave hoesky after winning the World Series. And there was a report that Jeff Bagwell was involved in helping to kind of convince Abreu to come around. I, I think it's silly for Jim Crane to be running this team. That's not his job. But Jordan, how much do you know about a concept called enlightened absolutism? Sounds like I'm about to know a lot more. (laughs) Damn straight. In the 18th and 19th century in Europe, you had all these dictators running these countries, right? But for the first time in world history, a number of these dictators were like, huh, the enlightenment goes hard. What if I used all of my immense power to make the lives of my people better? Mm. (laughs) And there's this idea that democracy is great, but if you have a dictator who rules your country's going to be good, right? Because you can implement policy and you can have a really shit happen. Shit happens. Like the biggest problem with democracy, as we know in America is like, it takes fucking forever to get shit done because everyone has to agree. When you have a dictator, that's not the case, right? Mm. It is one person pulling the whole thing in a certain direction. And that's usually ends up bad because eventually they pull it in a bad direction. Right. But for now, Jim Crane being the absolute monarch of the Houston Astros is not the worst thing in the world because he is going to spend money, right? Now, in the long run, it's a problem because I don't think Jim Crane knows how to like build a farm system or, you know, do arbitration stuff. But as far as what's happening right now, which is giving big checks out to important players, Jim Crane is at least doing that. Okay? I don't want him to do this forever. I don't think it's a good idea, but there's a quote from the Wikipedia page on enlightened absolutism that I just want to read, Jordan.
1: (laughs) Quote, the
0: monarchs of enlightened absolutism strengthen their authority by improving the lives of their subjects. The subjects in this case are Astros fans. And if you take Mm -hmm. a gander into Astros Twitter, you will find a lot of pro-Jim Crane sentiment. That's true. That's true. So I, I, yeah, I hear all that. I want to be clear. I'm not (laughs) absolving Jim Crane. I don't want him to like be my BFFL. I don't even know if I want him to, you know, run my baseball team. That being said, if I was ranking owners that I would want to own my baseball team, who are going to spend the money and do the things necessary to win Mm. for better or worse, that has been Jim Crane as much as that pains me to say. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to mostly let, I, I,
1: I totally hear all that, and I, I, I'm actually mostly in agreement with you, although I want to get to the Bagwell stuff. So um, the one thing I'll say, two, two quick things on Crane. One is that, yes, uh, conceivably, it seems like he is spending money. Good, cool. He has never gone over the luxury tax. He said, once again, oh, we have the ability to do it. There are still moves to be made here for this Astros team. Of course, they're still the best team in the AL at this stage, even if they don't bring back Verlander, right? But I'm writing about this at Fox this week. There are still many ways they can go forward here. And there's one where he does suddenly say, oh, yeah, no, I'm really going crazy. I'm, I'm going to just blow past electric tax for the first time ever. I'm going to run a $250 million payroll. And that, that, yes, that now I'm really leaning towards what you just said, which is like, screw it. He's not letting anyone tell him otherwise. At the same time, I will, I, I will believe that when I see it. Now, this is still a great signing. Of course, I agree. Right. So and he made that happen. He got so it done.
0: Credit to it. So shouts let, will, out just quickly yeah. before we uh, leave uh, Enlightened Absolutism. I just want to give a little <laughs> shout out to Christian Seventh of Denmark. Hey,
1: Denmark, he did. Wow. Where we could use his leadership for the current uh, Danish uh, national football team. Let me hear it for Gustav the Third of Sweden. Gustav III of Sweden. All right. Uh, let's also talk about Jeff Bagwell. Not just whatever is on Jeff Bagwell's chin, but dear
0: Lord. Jim Crane said, OK, sorry, uh, wait, time out quickly about his chin. Jeff Bagwell is from Foofy, Connecticut. I know. I, I was thinking about this too, which <laughs> is my favorite part. This guy went to like a Catholic school, Catholic high school in Connecticut. I know mm-hmm. he's like associated with Houston in Texas yeah, he now, sure but like, is.
1: Yeah.
0: he's not that
1: vibe. Right. And <laughs> well, it's no, amazing, he is, he, but he's, he is he's now. been he's been this vibe for a while. Just um, say, but no, it's true. So Jeff Bagwell, uh, Jim Crane says yes. Bagwell went down there with the Bill Furcus, one of the few last. Uh, actual baseball ops executives standing um but the thing that really stands out to me is the way that jeff bagwell is talking okay jeff bagwell does he's at the press or they they're asking him about it he's like yeah you know i didn't have to sell the astros the astros winner It's fine blah blah blah, blah. the one take the big takeaway oh jeff bagwell saying oh you know numbers you know numbers don't Play the game, you know humans do. Okay, great. We've heard that a million times. I don't even really want to get into that shit because that is just so goofy and so like, dude. Like, one, you just won the World Series. Two, who, how, how did the Astros get here? They lost a million years in a row. They drafted really well at the top, and then they revolutionized the front, the analytics in terms of defensive positioning, in terms of pitching development, in terms of hit, like in terms of hitting development, which includes cheating. Uh, and all, all of that is how they, they got to where they are and they have developed this amazing team and, and we all understand that, right? That is all the a pro, process, you know, a product of progressive baseball thinking. That is how the Astros got here. Okay. We know that. So if they're going to, if they're going to be more focused on doing it his way, then that is hilarious. And if that is their, how they end up going down, that is the funniest thing of all time. <laughs> Man, <The> we won <laughs> the world
0: series. You know what we need? Jeff Bagwell's opinion.
1: Right. That is all. We will continue to talk about that if that continues to be relevant. But the thing here is the funniest part about this. Jeff Bagwell, in this interview after, said, he was asked, do you want to be the GM? And he was like, no, absolutely not. I don't want to be the GM. At the same time, they asked him all these questions about the team. And he is saying, he was asked a question about, like, oh, what else are you looking for? He's like, you know, outfielders, we're, we're going to consider an outfielder. But then he said, I want Jordan playing 45 to 50% of the games. I need him doing that. There was another question. Where he was like, I want this about I feel that like you want to be the GM or not, dude. Like, you, clearly you are making big decisions here, or at least are giving your input to Jim Crane. And that's just hilarious. Like, I've never heard a former player talk with such a thought. It is, it is, I mean, I'm not saying he shouldn't be allowed to. It is just wild to watch. It is a it is a complete because yeah, I'm sure he doesn't want to be the GM because he doesn't actually want to do all of the work. But if you're just going to be the special assistant that gets to actually make all the decisions, that is truly the best job in the world. And credit to him for somehow finagling his way into that situation.
0: It's all the fantasy baseball
1: side <laughs> of being a GM without with none of the, the shitty shit. Without any administrative work. Without oh. any. I mean, it's crazy. Like, is he going to be in the Astros suite at the Winter meetings next week? Maybe. I mean, he probably doesn't want to do that. But maybe he will. I have no idea.
0: And the other thing, and then we'll move on, is whoever takes the GM job, and Jim Crane said that probably won't get filled until January. (laughs) I mean, what is that job, right? Like, what? I assume that you're going to do some things, and if I'm Jim Crane, which, again, I want to emphasize I'm not, uh, you hire someone who knows how to build a farm system and you kind of have them focus on that, whatever. But, like, that's going to be a weird job, and it's clear that's a job that's not going to have a lot of juice because – Jim Crane seems like he's going to get all the signings done on his own with (laughs) Buddy Bagwell before he hires a general manager. Let's move on to someone else named Aaron Judge. Oh, knock, knock, knock. Get the door. Who's who's there? Get the door. It's it's Domino. The Judge Domino. No free ads. There was a report (laughs) from Jeffrey uh, Passan. Of ESPN, that Aaron Judge has an offer on the table from the Yankees for eight years and 300 million dollars. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Supposedly. This is relevant, obviously, because Aaron Judge just had one of the greatest seasons in baseball history. And now he's a free agent, as I'm sure everyone knows. But I want to take a second to talk about the Judge Domino, as I said. Mm-hmm. The market seems to be waiting for him because wherever he goes will dictate the response of another uh, uh, of a number of other teams and here's what we mean by that let's say judge goes to the yankees that means the giants have to get someone let's say he the giants get correa that means the twins don't get correa that means the twins are more in on bogarts if the twins are in on bogarts that pushes the market one step Further. This is what we're all waiting
1: for, right? This is in a, in any offseason there's a couple dominoes and this is true for the starting pitchers as well, right? And this is why when Robert Suarez signs, okay, now these relievers are going to sign. Like this
0: is how these this offseason works. But this offseason it's particularly reliant on Judge because the team that is the favorite to sign Judge is which is the Yankees. If they miss on Judge, will pivot In a way that we have not seen in a long time. Well, they sure better. (laughs) They sure better, and I think that is that was part of Passon's article, right? But like to me, that is that was my takeaway: that the market is waiting for Aaron Judge, Mm -hmm. and I would too. Let's talk about the offer, roughly, allegedly, reportedly,
1: Uh, (laughs) eight years, three hundred. Now, before the season, he was offered a seven-year. $213 $213 million extension on top of the $17 million he was he had in arbitration. So previously, it was seven, essentially, yeah, seven years, 213 or eight, 230. Now it is eight, 300. Eight, 300 would make him the highest paid AAV for a position player. It would get him closer to 37, I think 37 half million above Mike Trout's 35.5 million. To me, the way that this is going to go down, and we can talk about a bidding war in a second, is either someone will offer him a ninth or tenth year, or someone will jack up the AAV like crazy to get it to 40 plus, 41, 42, 43. Which means either we're he's gonna end up with something like eight, three twenty or nine, three forty, or nine, three thirty, nine, three fifty, ten, three sixty, I whatever. We're getting getting wild, right? That seems to be how we're, we're going to get here. Now, as for a bidding war, this is a very interesting situation because a bidding war couldn't be just two teams. And to this point, it's everyone's just like, Giants, Yankees, Giants, Yankees, Giants, Yankees. That hasn't changed since we talked to Grant Brisby a few weeks ago, which I think is interesting. Right. People want to insert the Dodgers into this, which I think is fair. But at the same time, like no one else seems to be reportedly emerging. I can't wait for our first... Aaron Judge mystery team over the next week because it's going to happen, whether it's bullshit or not.
0: That's how these negotiations work. People are going to leak. Oh, there's another team. There's another team, We're gonna, you know, $10 million. But at the end of the day, I think he is worth more to the Yankees and the Giants than he is to anyone else. And yeah. if you're thinking about this, like a literal bidding war, like what is it called? Like Sotheby's in England. <laughs> People like, like bid on art. Like yeah. yeah. Okay. Sure. You just imagine the GMs in the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. And the person hosting the auction is like, Do I hear nine? Do I hear nine, three, forty? Do I hear <laughs> nine, three, forty, nine, three, forty? And like Brian Cashman and Farhan are like raising their paddles back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then it like, then they go back to Friedman and Friedman's like, Too steep for me, right? That is, I think, how this will get. Ben Sherrington, Ben Sherrington throws it up I like, Nah, just kidding. Nah, I'm just joking. I'm joking. They
1: probably Uh, do not. That's probably not funny at those events. I I doubt they appreciate those jokes.
0: Yeah, that is very true. So that's just what I'm thinking. I'm like thinking about it in that way. Um, I wake up some days and I'm like, he's going to be a giant. And then I wake up other days. and I'm like, oh, of course he has to be a Yankee. And today is a giant day because (laughs) this team has $58 million coming off the books after next season between Jock Peterson Alex Wood, Brandon Crawford and Tommy Listella alone okay <laughs> just give judge 58 just give him that 58. Fuck it who yeah. cares yeah. Give him like 758 whatever who doesn't matter no, what I, I have decided today right now in this moment is that if you sign Aaron judge and you give him something stupid if you're the Yankees or the Giants you're and he and it's a disaster like your, your and your fan base they're not going to turn on you. I don't think if you spend the money to get Aaron Judge, if this is the guy who you push the chips in for, no one in 5 years is going to be like, man, that was a mistake. This is worth rolling the dice for. And so because of that, I think the bidding war is going to get nuts so. I agree, although I will say that the last question here is
1: does do the Giants if we safely assume Maybe it's not safe. That Aaron Judge generally wants to be a Yankee. I actually think that's a pretty safe assumption. I, I don't, I do. I don't okay, think fine, it is. Fine, you don't. I'll, I'll say it. I don't, I don't feel bad saying that. I'll, I'll, I'll take that assumption. The question being, how much will the Giants have to outbid? Because is it a Robinson Cano Mariners outbidding by like 40%? <laughs> or is it... Does, I, I doubt that, right? But there is... I believe there is a number that is going to have to be seen that much more.
0: That is going well, to get him there, whatever that difference is. The Giants are going to make back in new jerk like jerseys oh, and shirts I'm sure. and shit. And I, like I agree,
1: a week. I'm, not, I'm not saying it's they shouldn't do it or it's a bad idea, or whatever, or the math doesn't work. I'm just saying that, that yeah. as far as what it will take,
0: it might take that.
1: So, that I one, think is, is the other way to think about it.
0: One last thing before we hop over to Danny Alvarez uh, I have a beef with the judge free agent sweepstakes, it's boring, hmm. it's been boring. Okay, when because it was of what Mach- I just said,
1: because it's is two teams, you're tired of talking about these same two things?
0: It's not that. It's just Judge is too, like, straight-laced for us to get any real spice. Like, I just remember when we had the Machado thing, right? <laughs> there were, like, rumors from people, like, Machado's cousin's gardener's wife's brother's dog. And then we yeah, were judge getting— Judge is too buttoned up. He's not— yet. Yeah, like, we were getting pictures of, like, Bryce Harper's introduction at, you know— the United Center in Chicago. Like we were getting all these rumors and things and like we're getting none of that from Judge. He's too boring for it to get spicy. I just need more stuff. I need pictures of him in public. Mm -hmm. I need fake dirt. I need smoke. I need Barry Bonds in a wig and Judge Mm -hmm. robes. Mm -hmm. I need something to remember. And right Mm -hmm. now all I have is that video of Judge smiling with a grin in a San Francisco hotel on fake-ass TMZ. And if that's all we get, and it just ends with a Jeff Passan tweet at the winter meetings, it will be one of the most underwhelming and disappointing sweepstakes I, in sports history. Okay? I this will guy say, just had one of the best seasons. Give me something to remember.
1: This will be a storyline next week if it does feel like the Judge stuff is really heating up and, and going to conclude next week. He's with a, a much smaller agency, my understanding, um, relatively. I don't know exactly who. Um, forgive me for not having that information right now. I am super interested as to who gets the scoop. And I know this is just nerdy baseball Twitter and following this stuff, but I, I really am very curious because if it's Yankees, I always bet on Jack Curry <laughs> or Joel Sherman. Um, but man, I mean,
0: maybe maybe Brisbane gets it. Who knows? Why not us, man?
1: Why not us? I can think of a few reasons. All right. uh, We are going to take a quick break and we will be back with Daniel uh, Alvarez to talk to us about Venezuelan baseball in many different forms.
2: Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the Sirius XM original podcast, Black Diamonds.
0: The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play?
2: Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shape sport, culture, and society.
0: That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you.
2: Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life.
2: And
1: welcome back to baseball BarberCast. We are very excited to be joined by one of our favorite people in baseball media. It is Daniel Alvarez Montez, the one of the head honchos over at El Extra Base and one of our favorite uh just people, man. You are you are you are one of our, our best friends in, in the baseball space and welcome to baseball BarberCast.
3: No guys, thank you so much for having me here. Um, you know, guys, I love you so much. You guys are very good friends. And I really love everything you guys have been doing for years now. And it's my pleasure to be here.
0: Uh, we really we really appreciate that. Now, uh, Jordan, your nearest airport is Dayton, Ohio, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. So to go from Dayton, Ohio to Caracas, Venezuela would take <laughs> about 18 Ooh. hours and cost you around $5,500. <laughs> uh, or we could have Danny on to explain to us what is happening down in Venezuela. Yes, much much more cost-efficient. Now, I
1: understand, Daniel, uh, a Venezuelan native, of course, but you are, I believe, in in Miami as it stands, but you have as many uh, Venezuelan baseball connections as we know uh, in this space, and you've been an incredible resource for us. And Venezuelan baseball has been in the news this winter for several reasons. And we are going to talk about them here today on this podcast. Let's begin with just the easiest layup of a fun time in the world, which was the Venezuelan Winter League Home Run Derby, which took place a couple nights ago. I just said to, to pull the curtain back a little bit last year when this happened, Daniel gave me a call a few like the day of and he was like, hey, Venezuelan Derby tonight. We're streaming it on YouTube for free. Check it out. And it was like Jose Lopez, like 38 year old fat Jose Lopez was in it. And like Gorky's Hernandez. And I had a great time last year. It was great. This year, same thing happens. I get a call from Daniel. He's like, Hey, Homer Derbys derbies tonight. I'm like, Oh shit. Great. Who is it? And, this time, Daniel, it was a lot more than, than Gorkys Fernandez and, and Jose Lopez. So, tell us a little bit about the home run derby that, that took place a couple of days ago.
3: A whole lot more, yeah, because it was the 20th edition of the Venezuelan home run derby. So, obviously, they wanted to make it special, and they they had big big league names in the in the, in the roster. I mean, not only the the two local guys with your guy Diego Rincones and Balbino <laughs> oh Forn <Fuen> <laughs> who I should call Bambino Forn Mayor. I mean, what a beast! Uh-huh. Right. But also, but eight big leaguers and big time big leaguers with Acuna, Glaver, Eduardo Escobar, um, Jose Altuve was there. Yeah. The Contreras brothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a very fun and and great show, and and the and people deserved it uh, because obviously the league has been big this year with the amount of big leaguers playing down there. Obviously, mm-hmm. because of the WBC coming up in March, and for such an special. Uh, edition as the twentieth. I mean, they deserve having this type of names, and it was a pretty good show. Uh, the stadium, as, as you saw, was packed in in Caracas at the Estadio Universitario, the place where I fell in love with the game, and it was such a such a cool moment for for everyone down there to be able to see those players.
0: What struck me was that so many of these fans have never gotten to see a lot of these players in person ever, never, ever, right. Like, had any of these people ever seen Ronald Acuna Jr. play baseball?
3: Ever, ever. And because they usually in in the past, you had baseball players making their debut in Venezuela before making it to the big leagues. But now because of the political situation and the whole situation in the country. Teams don't like to have their players playing down there. Big league teams, I mean. So when you have a prospect like Acuna, that young, being that good, you rather protect him in the states. Or, for example, what they did in what the Braves did in 2016, they sent him to Australia to play there uh, instead of playing him in in Venezuela. Um, they make their their debuts here in in the states first. I mean, before making it in Venezuela. So yeah, that's why those people never had the opportunity to, to see them play. Um, maybe some, some of them uh, flew to, I don't know, Miami or New York, LA, Houston to see them play for a vacation trip, but it's not the same when, when you have them in, in your own backyard, um, seeing them do everything they do doing on a big league field. And you could tell. I mean, Acuna, you know, it's hard to, who, who are we to
1: say? I, I'd be curious, your perspective of, of of these names, right? You have Altuve coming off a World Series and everything that he has become as one of the best Venezuelan players of all time, frankly, right? I mean, he's already up there in terms of, of career-wise. But then you have Acuna, this ascendant star who wins the Derby. Everyone storms the field. Everyone's going nuts. What was your sense like? Is Acuna the guy right now in terms of the most popular player? Like, how how does he kind of stack up compared to some of the other guys at at the top, or or compared to Altuve, who already has such a, a long successful career?
0: Or is it Juan Yepes? <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's a good question. And shout out to my boy Juan. You know, we played together when since we were like seven, eight years old. In, in of course. Chicago. Uh, but I I think Altuve is still the most popular player. I think mm-hmm. Cabrera is definitely the most popular player. Of course, Miggy. Yeah, Miggy. Of course, uh, right. Now with a 20-year career, but yeah. um, Altuve, of course, winning the MVP, two World Series, and you know the whole story of him, um, you know defeating adversity and and all of that. Uh, but Acuna, man, we we've never had a a, pro- a player since Miguel that came up to the league and, and he was one man wrecking crew you know uh, making that big splash being so, so young and you you could see that Acuna he, he's that big of a star here, here in the big leagues but he goes down to Venezuela like one or two days after his season is done like he won the World Series the t- two days later he was in Venezuela mm-hmm. the Braves got eliminated on a Sunday I don't know and it was Tuesday morning, and he was already in, in La Savannah, uh mm-hmm. ha- spending time with his family and, and, and friends. So he, he likes to be there, sharing with the fans, with family, with friends, with anyone who comes up to him to talk about whatever they want. So that's why I, I think he's, he's getting more popular now. I mean, not only because of what he is doing on, on the baseball field, but outside as well and and I, did, I, I that's that's pretty cool to see because that tells you how humble he he can be
1: one more on Acuña and then we'll we'll move on to the
3: other uh, viral moment of this uh <laughs>
1: of this uh, Venezuelan Winter League season I noticed so uh, again he wins um I mean the whole derby was was amazing and I you can go back and watch it on the Alex Jurebe's YouTube pit channel yep, right because it's our, I I highly recommend it um, the whole last round, the whole thing was amazing. But I noticed, and I don't even know Spanish, but I noticed after he won, after that they cleared the field and everything and they gave him the trophy, he was very emotional. He was emotional, I mean, yeah. He was like crying and was, that, from what I could tell. So tell me a little bit about, about maybe what he said there or just kind of what that moment
3: seemed he, like that he was saying. In, in, yes, he because he was saying that he, he never had the chance to play in front of his public, in front of his fans and, and, and family in, in Venezuela. So to be able to to do it, for the first time in, in seven years. I mean, last time he played there, he, he was a... I don't even think he was a minor leaguer. I think he wasn't mm-hmm. even signed yet. Mm-hmm. So, for, for him, it was such a special moment. And, obviously, you saw all the people running behind him. <laughs> that was family, friends, and neighbors from La Sabana. I mean, the, the, the entire town was there. <laughs> on, on the field, running behind him. So, I, I, I just... Obviously, he he knew he was in a big stage, a home run derby, but he felt like he wasn't in his backyard uh, with with his friends. So I I think there was no difference for him. But when the moment he realized that, hey, you won and you won the 20th edition of the home run derby and Galarraga participated there, Abreu, Mm -hmm. Jose Canseco, Maglio, Mm -hmm. all these big Venezuelan sluggers, of course, Canseco not being Venezuelan. But to, to add... His name to the list. He was something very special.
1: Yeah, it's just like his backyard, except with five thousand Pepsi signs around him. Yeah, of
3: course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen more ads of one company of, in one stadium. Of than, course, that's that's the company that you're yeah, right. Of course, organizing it, was, the, it was so funny. So the, anyway, the, yeah. so I just wanted to. to, to yeah. you know.
0: Let's pivot to the other viral moment from this off season down in the Venezuelan oh, yeah. Winter League. Now, this was much less celebratory. Uh, And much, well, well, let's just use the word uh, criminal, because (laughs) (laughs) for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Asdrubal Cabrera, yes, the same Asdrubal Cabrera was playing down in the Venezuelan Winter League. And to simplify things, he just cold cocked the guy when he wasn't paying attention in the middle of a home run. So the backstory here, how complicated is it? Why did Asdrubal Cabrera punch a guy while he was rounding the bases after a home run? And what has been the fallout from one of the most bizarre brawls I can remember seeing?
3: That's that's the word to, to describe it, bizarre. Because let's put you in context. Carlos Castro, who is a Dominican slugger, who actually signed with Acuna and Juan Yepes with the Braves in back in 2014, um, hit three homers that night against, I mean, Carlos Castro playing for Tiburones de la Guaira and Azrubal for Caribes de Enzoategui. Tiburones is Acuña's team, by the way. So Castro gets the first home run in the first inning and he starts running to first bait, holding his bat with his hand and he drops the bat in front of Azrubal. So Azrubal didn't like that. He, he gave him a, a look like, hey, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Then I think it's like the fifth inning Castro hits the second home run. Of course, he has the bat flip and celebrates again. I said, well, didn't like that again. And then in the last at-bat, he hits the homer. To I mean, a go-ahead homer. Okay. And starts flipping the flipping the bat. And he looks at the first base dugout, which is Caribe's dugout, and tells tells them something. Because they were yelling at him when he got the first two homers. So he had enough, and he was celebrating like, "Hey, take that!" And then Astrubal is like, "Take that! Take that!" I mean, we've, I'm punching you in the face. Uh, I think he missed it, by the way. I think he got it with the with the, uh It was more of an elbow. Him. Yeah, yeah, but clothesline. It it was really really embarrassing, and and Asdrubal said later in a statement, like he started apologizing to the league and the teams and the players, and at the end of the statement, he said, "I had my reasons." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I don't know if that's good PR for for Asrubal, but uh, th- that didn't look too good. But uh, he well, he said that he that I mean that he felt disrespected by Castro right. and and his attitudes and, and everything right. that he was saying to to his teammates and the way he was rounding the bases and we know Azrubal is a veteran. He played for 15 years in the big leagues, but. I mean, punching in someone in the face, that's that's not the way it goes. I mean, do do have Brian McCann if you want and wait for him at home plate, but don't do that. <laughs> You're running first. There
1: are safer ways to be grumpy.
3: Yeah,
0: exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, So I think we have this understanding that, and maybe this is false and you can kind of explain this, that Latin American baseball culture is more fun and more free and more emotional and that allows players to express themselves more. And we see that in a lot of these videos. And I think as a whole, that is true, right? That Latin American baseball culture, particularly winter ball is more joyous than like, you know, boring white dudes, you know, just being grumpy in the minor leagues. Like we agree about that. Yeah. But my question here is like, there are still grumpy
3: people no matter where you go. And and you you know, and you know what it's, pisses me off sometimes because you guys follow and see every lead-on game. Yeah. Every every single night. And you see Gerardo Encarnacion hitting a walk-off homer and taking like 40 seconds to get to first base, and no one complains about it. Like in Venezuela, we still have that uh, mentality of, oh, well, yeah, you got to respect the game and you can celebrate certain homers. I mean, not every homer you can do a bat flip or uh if if you do that then i'm gonna hit you in, a, in the next side bat i mean there's still that like chip in inside that you know thinks about that but i i don't actually agree with it a lot. i mean because yeah yes we we know how it's here and maybe it's it's not a good look if, if a guy does that in, in the minors or the, or the big leagues or college baseball i don't know mm-hmm. uh but in in you know in our own country like let, let's let's do it let's celebrate i mean it's it's right. a 20 25 year old guy hitting his third homer of the game to give his team the lead. I mean, why would you want to do that? I mean, what what do you want to show there? I mean, it's, yeah. it's even more embarrassing what you did. I agree.
1: But also to me, it's, I mean, it's interesting that you think that there is maybe some level of difference between Dominican and no, Absolutely, absolutely. Sense, which is, that's interesting to me. That's, that's insight that I wouldn't necessarily consider. But at the same time, um, to me, it's just like, Look, man. People get butt hurt when they're getting their ass kicked. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, like in baseball, it's like yeah. it, just, it doesn't feel good. Like I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily blame or 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 I can at least understand when it's like, damn, this Carl, this random Carlos Castro guy's kicking our ass. Yeah, I'm not happy about it. I mean, that doesn't obviously condone violence. Duh. Yeah, um, exactly. But but anyway, so also about the fallout, I just want to say, um, this was I believe quite a hefty suspension for Mister Isdrubel.
3: Thirty-five games suspension. <laughs> okay, which in Azurba. winter ball is essentially like it's essentially half half of the season or yeah, more. Right. For example, yeah. Venezuela's more. I mean, Asdrubal can come back once the um, like in the middle of the playoffs okay. if his team advances to to the playoffs. Okay. But uh, we also have to to talk about Eduardo Ramos, yes, the pitcher from yes. Tiburones.
1: This was this was less this funny was because this was really ex- over the top. Not yeah. okay.
3: And I mentioned pitcher. He's a pitcher. He former Phillies reliever, former Phillies reliever. He's actually the guy Do you remember Asdrubal when he hit the homer and with the Mets, the yeah. walk-off homer, as Edubray was pitching that night. Oh my wow! Small so world. What? <laughs> that's that makes crazy. makes a whole lot of sense. I don't know if you guys remember that the year after uh, Edubray threw at Asdrubal's head, like it was like in the first Mets Wait, series of the of time the year. out, time out. I, that's crazy.
0: But I had forgotten the Asdrubal. Bat flip. Oh yes. yeah, 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 that's that's, makes...
3: that's no sense. But I mean, every everyone once once that happened, like every player showed on on Instagram, like, "Hey, Sirbald, you did this in 2016 after hitting right. a homer." <laughs> it's <laughs> like know? this, you know. what Was that meme this you, bro? This <laughs> is this you? you, bro. Exactly, <laughs> <This> exactly. You? <laughs> exactly. So then, Edurai threw what he said in 2017, and it all stopped there. I think Edward I was looking for a srubal when he came out of the dugout with a baseball and actually threw it like he was pitching in the mound. And, and it hit he basically it
1: threw it, it, hit, it into the crowd and it hit He threw it else into the it crowd and player, it hit right?
3: yeah, it hit a, a, a pitcher from Caribe's named Liarvis Breto in the in the in the in the forehead. And <laughs> it caused him a, a big contusion. Um and what was his suspension? Forty games. 40 <laughs> five, games. Four game, five more games than a struggle.
1: Um, Wait, right. Which, like, yeah. I mean, I don't... Who knows? Like, with this stuff, it's 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 so... When you have acts that you haven't... There's no precedent for, it's, like, almost hard to even decide on what a band... Like, uh, it, part it, of it's hard. It, like a band of life. Like, that yeah. is a crazy thing to do. It, it's a and, crazy thing to do, yeah. but
3: I don't know if... I think it was in, in 2019 or 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Romero hitting Gabriel Lino with a bat, mm-hmm. also in Venezuela. And... The suspension for Romero was 20 games because there was no precedent. And uh, the rules of the league, I mean, and, and the constitution of the league said, oh, the maximum penalty is 20 games. And the and, and it's still like that. But they said, hey, as guys, I mean, this
1: Hold my elbow. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna max out those 20 games right real quick. Yeah,
3: and and I think that right after that, I mean, it's <laughs> obviously for next year. It has to, it has to change. Like 40 has to be the bare minimum. Sure. And then you go from or just there. like ban him for the rest of the season. Like to right. me, it's
1: like you should not be playing again this year. You like, should you not be to... playing
3: again this year. And yeah. you know what? As the the saddest part is that as As-Rubble is actually retiring this year. This right. is his last season. Right. So he might not even be able to play anymore. And and it's sad. You know, to, to yeah. see him go this way, because I, on a personal standpoint, I have to say that before that, I had the maximum respect for Estruel because it's a guy that I always saw playing playing the right way. When I started covering my my first interview to a Venezuelan player as a reporter here in Miami was to Estruel in 2017, and I remember him and his professionalism, his patience. Then two years after, in the World Series with the with the Nationals, we talked to him. I think after every nationals win, we we talked to to Acero, and he was very nice to us. So it really surprised me, and it's sad to, to see him go this way because yeah, um, I don't think it dictates the. I mean, how good of a career he he had here in the big leagues.
0: Remember, everyone, you can get grumpy, but don't punch people <laughs> who aren't people. <laughs> expecting it if that's the other thing if you're going to punch someone give them a chance to punch back
3: exactly. square up square up no exactly. cold cocking exactly. no cheap shots and then he hits castro Castro's on the on the on the floor on the ground and he's like it's like wow but like yeah you <laughs> want some more or something it's like what <laughs> amazing let's <laughs> like, let's uh, let's pivot what do?
0: let's pivot to some good news um you reported recently Uh, that there's been a change in policy between MLB and the Venezuelan Winter League that's going to allow more players, more minor league players in the States to come back home and play in the Winter League in the offseason. Can you kind of explain to us why the policy existed before, why it's changed, and what it's going to do moving forward for Venezuelan baseball?
3: So what happened is that in 2019, in August of 2019, I remember the, the Venezuelan situation being so critical, the, the political situation. So at that, at that moment, um, the U.S. Embassy left the country and there, there was no relationships between the U.S. and the Venezuelan government. So uh, MLB uh, and the OFAC decided to sanction the Venezuelan League by not allowing their uh, major league players or major league employees to go down there and play or work for them. And that includes players, trainers, coaches, media personalities, I mean, everyone. So for for that 2019, 2020 season, they, the league played without any major league affiliate player. It doesn't matter if it was a big leaguer, triple A, A, AA, single A, Dominican Summer League, anything, it didn't matter. They didn't play that year until the playoffs. But what happened, two of the teams, uh, Magallanes and Aragua, are, I mean, the owners of those teams are foundations related to the government. So they um, gave the license to six out of the eight teams, except from Magallanes and Aragua. And that stood from 2019 until yesterday. And of course, it was a problem for those two teams because six teams were playing with big league players and minor leaguers, and big league coaches as well. But Magallanes and Aragua couldn't. And of mm. course, they had they 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 had the right to have more foreign players or get more um, add more players to the roster for the for the playoffs because of course six teams had an advantage over them. And what happened yesterday is that. MLB um, gave their reinstated their license, and now those big league players are allowed to to play with with those two organizations, which is good. And 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 I mentioned, hey, not every year we have every single big league player playing in in Venezuela. But think about those guys in 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 the minors, like Single A, Double A, or the Dominican Summer League, that make a, a very low salary in in their seasons here from maybe what may june to the end of august of or september you know if if they advance to to the players of something like that and then they cannot play in venezuela so think about how how hurt they they are you know um on an economical standpoint by not being able to to play down there and and for me that was the, the biggest point i remember uh salvi salvador perez talking I mean, he he spoke a lot about this, saying, "Hey, it, this is not affecting us. This is affecting them, uh, the, right. the young players." And and now I'm I'm actually very glad that they are allowed to to play again in in their own country. So um, I think it, it's it's very good news, not only on that side, but I mean, if if you think about it, Altuve is already down there, Luis Arraez is already down there, and they want to play. And if Eduardo Escobar is already down there. And he plays for Tigres, Altuve for Magallanes. So they want to play, and and that's going to make the league 10 times better. And and that's going to help a lot of people now.
0: But most importantly for this year, it's going to help the World Baseball Classic team, which is coming out in 2023. So let's talk a little bit about that. I think it's probably fair to say that of all the big baseball countries Venezuela has underwhelmed the most at the WBC. Now, granted, it's only been four tournaments, right? We don't have that much of an example. Yeah. But if you look at, you know,
3: you could but say- if you like look the, at how it's been- It's not been can, good. Can, Their best yeah.
0: finish was a third-place finish, I think, in 2013, maybe in twenty two no, 2007. 2009. 2009. Yeah. Third place in 2009, yeah. in 2009, and they haven't finished in the top four in any other years. Netherlands has done it twice- right yes. and venezuela probably looks at curacao where a lot of those netherland players comes from it's like you know 100 miles off the coast that it's like they have 12 people how are they finishing <laughs> out of us so can you explain why has venezuela been worse than expected because they provide the third most players of any country in the world yeah. to mlb behind the us and the dominican yeah and is there hope for this cycle For this year's team to be better than it's been in the past.
3: Yes. And and maybe telling you why there's hope with this cycle. I can answer the, the previous question. And it's because of the preparation of the coaching staff, the federation and the communication with the players. That has been an issue for every single WBC that happened in 2017, 2013, 09 and 06. No preparation, no communication. And that was a, a big problem for them. Uh, also, maybe not having certain pieces, for example, in 09, when they uh, they could have had some Carlos Zambrano and Johan Santana for that team, and they had instead Carlos Silva pitching against... Korea in the semifinals I mean they, they could have used one of those studs and then go to the finals and have Kim Felix beating Japan or whatever um, but now I, I, I see a, a whole different process uh, from choosing the manager Omar Lopez the Astros first base coach to the whole coach the coaching staff and getting to talk to the players since July I think it was when, when Omar was named and and being in in contact with them frequently and telling them hey this is the plan this is what we're going to do um i'm going to let you know if you're going to be on the preliminary list or not because that happened before that players didn't know if they were in or not and and no one actually spoke uh, clear to them and now having omar doing this and 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 the federation behind him it's going to help a lot i know that uh once the winter ball season it's done they're all gonna come here to to miami and 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 get ready together that's something that happened in 2017 as well but not as serious as as it should have been and now being the the way it is uh i think there's there there are more chances yeah being said that the group that they have with the dominican and puerto rico um, that's a bloodbath. So that's gonna be <laughs> tough for for everyone, and we, we have to see how it goes. Because if, if you if you go tournament by tournament, like 2017, they only beat Italy twice to advance to the next round. 2013, they only beat Spain. That was embarrassing. And then in 09, <laughs> they like Abreu made an error in the first inning, and then it was a downfall for them. But they had a good team, and they played well in in 06 they had a good team but they they could have done better but of course there was no precedent with the right. with the tournament and i don't i don't think luis soha at the, at the moment had the right pieces for for uh, you know for the depth of the of the roster uh, but now i i see a whole different process i have been in, in contact with Lopez um basically every every week and and i know i know his plan i know everything he's he's doing the winter meetings are going to be huge because they're going to make big announcement announcements in, in during those days. So uh, I'm really excited to see what Venezuela can do in the next W. Which which players have publicly committed already? Altuve, I believe, has Altuve, Andres Jimenez from the Guardians, um, Cabrera, Arraes, and I, I think I'm missing one. Ah, well, Acuna, obviously. Um, and, and and i think that the roster is going to be like stacked and and the pitching yeah. especially the pitching has to be better for venezuela and i think it's better this year compared to 17 13 09 and 06 even though they had santana and and, and king felix but now with uh Lusardo, pablo lopez ranger suarez we all saw what what he mm. did in, in during the world series and I remember talking to to Omar Lopez, he was on the other side, and and I told him, like, hey, if you needed to see something from Ranger, uh, (laughs) to know if that guy can start against the Dominican on March 11th, there you had it. I mean, there there was no bigger scenario than Game 3 of the World Series against the Astros, and he dominated them.
1: Well, and I I, I know Jake is a big Ranger fan, but I think that's a good place to end, Uh, and I'll, I'll let you plug your stuff here in a second. but. March eleventh, seven PM, Lone Depot Park. Their first game is against the Dominican. I don't know if we could find a way to be down there. I think. Oh, that, I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. I, I mean, this, this that that group is going to be so much fun. Of course, with with Team Israel is there. <laughs> so yeah, that's also going to be. Don't sleep
3: on Team Israel. I
1: always say. Oh, that. hey, sleep you think we're them. sleeping on Team Israel. You know, I got. Don't, tell don't us. sleep on so them. We we got, and then and then Nicaragua is the fifth team in that group. So, um, that's going to be incredible. Uh, World Baseball Classic is going to be amazing this year. So. Uh, thank you Daniel for joining us. This was an incredible rundown of 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 all the Venezuelan baseball highlights. Where where can people find your work and uh, and yeah, I mean you are a, a must follow, but yeah, where where can people find uh, everything you got going on this winter?
3: No, thank you guys once again for for having me at Daniel Alvarez EE on Twitter. EE stands for Alex Travasse and then you can follow Alex Travasse as well on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, whatever you you may like. And thank you again for having me. Yeah, March 11th. My dream is to have Sandy Alcantara and El winner against Pablo Lopez. The oh one-two punch God, for for the Miami Marlins. We need it. I, we we need in that the park
0: already. in the home park in, in
3: the <laughs> home park. I I remember we did something in July. Um, I I called both Sandy and Pablo and said, Hey, we, we gotta do this. And then yeah, let's see if it happens. And now, it went, now that we have to schedule out, uh, it's, it's totally possible. That would it be the totally biggest possible.
0: moment in franchise history since Jack McKeon left.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Since Edgar <laughs> <Agurantaria.
3: laughs> um, all right. Book, Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. We will <laughs> Thank talk you guys. Thanks so much.
2: Hi everyone. This is Hope Solo, host of Hope Solo Speaks, a serious XM podcast. The biggest sporting event in the world is upon us, and we decided to do something unique. All throughout the tournament, I'll be bringing on great female soccer players from all over the world to discuss what's going on in the men's games. With new episodes every week, all the way through the finals, it's analysis you won't get anywhere else. Hope Solo Speaks is available on the SXM app with all of our trials and popular plans, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: And we're back here on Baseball BarbaCast, a podcast, believe it or not, about baseball. And before we say goodbye, we have two quick news nuggets to talk about. The first thing is that uh,
1: Major League Baseball, for those who don't know, uh, has a lot of money. And part of the reason why they have a lot of money is because they've developed some incredible technology, one of which is the streaming service and just all the technology behind MLB TV. Uh, The other one is the donuts. That goes on the <laughs> bat. That's heavy. Wow, amazing stuff. Now, recently, uh, a few years ago, they sold BamTech, Tech, which is the company that was. This is this goes back like they they were one of the first leagues to have their own streaming service and have their own technology. They were way ahead of all that stuff. They sold most of it to Disney and got a ton of money. Now they just sold the rest of it to Disney for nine hundred million dollars. What does that mean? That thirty million dollars is going in the pockets of all thirty MLB owners again, right? They've already made a ton of this uh, money in in recent years. And this is just another reminder, I'm just throwing this out there, that MLB owners are having constant influxes of cash in a lot of ways. And yes, while they were crying poor during the pandemic and then lockout and all that stuff, this is another (laughs) reminder that these dudes are getting the dough. All of them, not just the ones who already have $14 billion like Steve Cohen. And so no, while I am not expecting the A's to run a $300 million payroll next, uh, next year, the small market teams can always spend more than you think. Cleveland, I'm looking at you. Please spend money on baseball players.
0: Like, if I'm Jerry Reinsdorf of the White Sox, the owner, I'm taking that 30 mil. (laughs) I'm not, I'm just forwarding the email to Brandon Nimmo. Okay.
1: exactly. You know,
0: that would be more of a replacement for Jose. Maybe that's why these people are rich. Because like, you know, like yesterday, I found $10 on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And I probably should have saved it. But I didn't. You know, I spent it on, on something I didn't need. <laughs> I just found on the sidewalk. And maybe that's why I Am live not. in a small apartment. Yeah. And these people that's are the
1: tycoons. That's the difference. That is the It's, it's, all, it's all mindset. Uh, and the other thing we wanted to mention before we head off to San Diego. We're going to have all kinds of shows for you next week. But we'll be landing in San Diego on Sunday night. And on Sunday night, there is uh, something that is happening in the baseball world. Which is that the contemporary baseball era uh, Hall of Fame ballot will be voted on and be announced the results of. What is this? Basically, this is, oh, you didn't get in on the regular writer's ballot. We're going to give you another shot on a 16-person committee for which you will need to get 12 votes, still 75%. This is how we've gotten uh, some of the other guys uh, in, in in recent years. Um, and this year, it has Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Albert Bell, Don Mattingly, Fred McGriff, Dale Murphy, Rafael Palmero, and Kurt Schilling. So we got a bunch of steroids, guys. We got Kurt Schilling. We got Don Mattingly. Um, and Fred McGriff and Del Murphy, some very popular players. Who is on this committee? We got some former players like Chipper Jones, we got some former, we got some current you know media members, Susan Sluster's on this committee, we got some a bunch of executives, Theo Epstein, Kim Ang, Artie Moreno, uh, you know, owners, and you know, Frank Thomas, Alan Hall of Famers are already on this committee. I'm bringing this up because there is a chance that we will just land in San Diego and Barry Bonds will suddenly be a Hall of Famer after all these years of, of consternation. And I think that is hilarious. Do I think that is likely? Looking at the committee, no, but I think it's possible to get 12 votes. That also means only five people have to say, no, fuck you, Barry Bonds. Do I think it's likely that the players will do that? Jack Morris, I think he's on this committee. Do I think he's going to vote for Barry Bonds? No. (laughs) But, you know, could I imagine Greg Maddox, who pitched against him and has, you know, had a lot of that, like Chipper Jones, like some of these guys, I don't know. I could see it both ways. Frank Thomas, who knows? And so it's possible, and we just have to mention it, because there is a chance, and we have not mentioned it yet, and this is a very goofy thing and and system. And maybe we will have some more Hall of Famers that we will talk about on Sunday night when we get to San Diego.
0: Now, before we go, um, I have an admission, and that's uh, soccer. Soccer might be better than baseball, Uh, (laughs) based upon what I've watched over the last three weeks of the World Cup. Very entertaining. Highly recommend. Just don't watch it right now. I'm very happy it's not happening during baseball season because that would be a real problem for me. Thanks, uh, Qatar. S- s- yeah, Thanks, Qatar. <laughs> thanks, Qatar. Speaking of that, we have to bring on our producer, the mm. Aussie king himself, the most Australian <laughs> man since Matthew Delvadova. Delvadova? Uh, Devova? Devova Devo, whatever. Delvadova? You got it right, yeah. I got it right? Yeah. Did I pronounce it right? Of course. The rose, Chris, the rose. Oh,
2: they <sighs> did was- it. That was that was something. That really that was our biggest game in sixteen years, and somehow we delivered. I went into this game, and I think most Australians went into this game hoping for and expecting a draw. Right at the start of the uh, at the start of the tournament, we had that first game where Tunisia and Denmark drew, and I mm. said to you guys, "I'm like, okay, all we need the path for us to get to the knockout stages is to beat Tunisia and to draw with Denmark." That was what we needed and then second game comes around so we we lose to france 4-1 sure, 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 sure. whatever of course. Of course knew was that nice. was going to happen put that in the back <laughs> pocket don't worry about it saturday comes around we Flush beat in. tunisia 1-0 fantastic amazing right that was great that's that's what we needed then when um who when when tunisia it was, it,
1: tunisia beat denmark right or 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 drew with denmark i yeah. think that they,
2: they they drew right mm-hmm. and so then i thought and then France, France won their first two games. And so then I thought, man, France might actually rest a bunch of their players <laughs> for this third game against Tunisia. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bit nervous. And I still thought, well, you know what? Even everyone on the French bench should still be better than Tunisia. They should still win. <laughs> true, true. So hopefully we only still need a draw against Denmark. And then France can either draw or, um, you know, beat Tunisia. And we're through. That's great. So then we watched the game yesterday morning. And Tunisia scored first against France. And then all of a sudden, it's still nil all us against um, us against Denmark. And we thought, man, all right, this is, is going to be guttering. If you, if, if you told me at the start of the uh, World Cup that we won one, we drew one, and we lost one, I would have thought, great, that's fantastic, we're in. But then Tunisia's up 1-0, and I thought, man, this is going to be tough. And then Matthew Lecky, Oh, Matthew, Matthew Leckie. Leckie. <laughs> that Australia goal, man. Euro. Australian hero, that goal he scores in the second half went absolutely ballistic on my own in my living room, (laughs) following along Twitter with all the, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of people back home watching it 3am, 4am going nuts in the city. It was, it was incredible, man. That oh, was yeah, that was were, the most exciting yeah. I've been since 2006, right? Like that that's seriously yeah. the most excited I've felt about soccer since 2006 and I've watched every single Australia game in the World Cup since then. So it was unbelievable. And now we go on and play Argentina and like, we're not going to win, right? We're not going <laughs> to win. But if we somehow do, that is if the biggest score. moment and if we score, if we do anything decent, that's going to be the biggest moment in Australian sporting history ever, right? Ever. And I'm not a soccer fan. I only watch Soccer right. for the World Cup. That, that's all I watch. Mm-hmm. But I'm into it, like Jake, right? I'm, I'm into it so much more than any other Australian national team, even the basketball team, the baseball team, whatever. The Australian soccer team is my favorite national team. If we win, I don't know what's going to happen. I may, miss, <laughs> I, I may miss our flight on Sunday. Oh, I could no, just be drinking no, Chris, for 12 yeah, hours Chris straight I celebrating. Are. I don't know what I'm going to do.
1: Oh, well, this is this one when I, when I land in Charlotte. We'll, we'll, we'll have to figure it out. Chris and I are taking the same uh, flight out of San Diego. One but, more
0: question before we go, Chris. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Why is it the soccer ruse? Because you guys don't call it soccer. Of course we do. <coughs> you do? Yeah.
2: We have our own football. Yeah, they we have, have Australian own football. football. Australian football oh, is the biggest do. sport oh. in, in Australia, right? True. So that's why we call soccer, soccer, and we call Australian football, football, right? Yeah. But, but what
0: is it, American football? American
2: football? We call it American football or gridiron. Gridiron! <laughs> <laughs> we call it gridiron, yeah. Oh.
0: It's interchangeable. Just...
2: That's what we call that. But we have our own football, which is why like, it always, it always pissed me off whenever we were talking about soccer. I used to work in sports radio in Melbourne, and it would upset me when people would call in and say, you've got to call it football. It's not soccer. It's like, well, firstly, we have our own football, and our national team is called the soccer roos, so just let us call it soccer. You can call it football. I don't care if people call it football, but don't get upset at us for calling soccer because we have our own football. Just leave us alone. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter.
0: That's just a taste for those of you who don't care about soccer and like baseball, I, wait. just wait until the Liam Hendricks complete game shutout in the World Baseball Cup. Uh, oh, my
1: God. That will be. Yeah. Well, no, Australia, they 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 flamed out. They didn't even make it. Right? No, they're they, in it. They were in it. Yeah. Oh, they are in it. Oh, I guess they qualified. OK, yes. Yeah, I apologize. I was thinking of uh, Italy in the soccer. Uh, one soccer thing. <laughs> Wait, are you comparing us to the Italian one, soccer team? One soccer thing. One soccer thing? Where you is say? your brain
0: at? One soccer <laughs>
1: thing. I apologize. I apologize. Uh, soccer thing I love so much is the term they use this more in the Champions League, but I would love to bring this more to baseball. Is what they say when a team loses in the post, like a surprising loses, is that they crash out. That 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 Denmark oh, bundled out. Cra- bundled out's a good one as well. <laughs> crashed out. Like that's what the Dodgers did. <laughs> Season. The they Dodgers crashed season. out of the NLDS. They crashed out of the LDS. I love that. I we need to, we need to bring that that phrasing in. Uh, congratulations to the Socceroos. Saturday is the big game. Sunday, you will be uh, on a flight with me to San Diego. Hopefully, if you have recovered from celebrating. <laughs> um, but until then, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Chris, for producing this. Thank you to Daniel Alvarez for joining us and talking about Mister Ruben Cabrera. Um, and we will talk to you next week from sunny San Diego.
2: Sirius XM Podcasts.